great here. Uh, this is our home church, so, so we didn't have to travel any place where we uh, don't normally travel. I'm going to uh, share a few thoughts with you this morning uh, on Everyday Saints. And so uh, my thoughts for us today are not based on the 40 years of pastoring, but on the uh, 50-some-plus years of doing other stuff as well. So uh, it's on that basis that we come. And, and thank you for introducing uh, my amazing wife. I imported her from Canada. Uh, <laughs> 48 uh, plus years ago, and besides accepting Christ as my Savior, uh, that was the best decision I ever made in my life. And uh, she told me one time that uh, <clears throat> she said, you talked me into marrying you, and I said, of course. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to make a couple of introductory re remarks, and then we're going to pray and, and jump into the message this morning, and, and we'll go for it. And, and I promise to try to be done uh, before you are. <laughs> yeah, so that's, a, that's what I'm going to try. So, you know, the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 that, that God has given to every person a measure of faith. And, and it's important to know that because uh, that is the ability. Every person born on planet Earth from time beginning to the present time has a measure of faith. We have the uh, ability to believe something that we can't smell, touch, taste, feel, or hear. All of our senses, we can't. It's something beyond that. We have the ability to believe beyond our senses. And that is every person on the planet. So people that say, I don't have any faith, well, they're, they're lying through their teeth. Okay, so, so, uh, so you have faith. The other thing that I want us to get before we jump into the message this morning is, is that in, in chapter 2 of Titus, the verse 11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto uh, all men or everyone. So everyone that's born on the planet from the very beginning to today has not only a measure of faith, but they also have the uh, grace of God to bring salvation to them. And when, when one meets the other, hallelujah, glory to God, uh, what happens is that a person is born again. Yeah. And when you take that measure of faith and you put it on the grace of God, praise the Lord, you are at that moment in time, you are born again, you are a brand new creature in Christ Jesus, and old things begin to pass away, and God is beginning to make everything new in your life. And it doesn't happen overnight. This thing happened to me about 52 years ago, and uh, <clears throat> I was kind of a mess, and, and uh, God sent over the neighbor guy, and he told me that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus by inviting him to be Lord of my life, to forgive my sins, and uh, I believed this all my life, but I'd never let it bother me. <laughs> And so, <clears throat> starting at that time in June of, of uh, 1970, when my, my next-door neighbor came by and told me that, I uh, changed, and my life was, was now beginning to be bothered. Well, the first thing that happened is I thought, okay, so now I'm, I'm born again, I guess, and I need to clean up my act. I need to be a, a new guy, uh, whatever that looks like, and, and so I tried. And I, you know, I, I, I tried to quit, 
you know, drinking, smoking, chewing, and running with girls that do, and all that stuff, you know, and uh, I went out to college at, at Washington State University my junior year, and I uh, tried to be good, and I wasn't good at being good, and I was better at being bad, and, and so as you can imagine, uh, whatever was happening, I relapsed uh, in everything, and uh, and so I come back to Summers, Montana, our little hometown, and and uh, I I've been high every day for the last five months, and and I I was uh, I was a mess. I, I didn't realize that. I thought it was pretty brilliant, but uh, <laughs> my brother looked at me and began to fast and pray because he'd come to Christ the same time I did, but he had a, a more successful first year, and <laughs> and so they told me in our little church that uh, that God, uh, Jesus had told his disciples, and it said 24, uh, 24 and 49 of the Gospel of Luke, he told his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem until you're endued or empowered from heaven. And so there was the Holy Spirit. And this happened in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8, and it's when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what happened is that that this happened on the day of Pentecost. And so the Holy Spirit came on 120 people in the upper room in this building in Jerusalem, these followers of Jesus. They were there behind closed doors. They were frightened to death. They didn't know what to do. Jesus had, had died and, and uh, now rose again. And so there they are. They're, they're, they're terrified. And the Holy Ghost comes on them in this upper room, a sound like the sound of a rushing mighty wind. And whoosh, and all of these people were baptized in the Holy Ghost and talking in tongues and, and uh, had the anointing at that moment to become empowered of the Lord to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Yes. Isn't that great? Yes. And that same thing is available for us. And that was what happened to me there is that I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and, and my life began to be transformed. On the day of Pentecost, the church was born. Yes. Isn't that great? Yes. All right, we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you this morning. We ask that you would take these few minutes that we have and that you would, you would cause our hearts and minds to be open to everything that you have for us today. We surrender our hearts and we surrender our minds to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text this morning is Acts chapter 10 and, and verse 37 and 38. And this is really good news because uh, sometimes we complicate this whole business of, of following Jesus. And we are everyday saints, yes. right? We are just regular people, regular people. God uses regular people. Who can say amen to that? Amen. Yeah. God uses regular people, people just like you and me. He uses us to tell other regular people about the good news, which is... They don't have to live like hell. Isn't that great? <laughs> and if you've been living like hell, I'm going to tell you this morning, you can live like heaven. I've had friends that have come to Christ and they've been out there raising hell. And I said, you know, the problem is, is you will not make it as a pew warmer in the body of Christ. God never called you to be a pew warmer, a bench warmer in the body of Christ. He didn't. Not one person was ever called to be a pew warmer in the body of Christ. There are no appendixes Come on. in the body of Christ. And so I, I said to my friend, I said, what you, what you need to do is not just raise, what do we need to do here? 
I wondered why it fit on that side. I thought that. So you were going to. Uh... Okay, I can do that. I got it, David. Oh! <laughs> I believe in miracles. We're going to have. Uh... I don't know. I don't... Don't put it up too high. He's already high. <laughs> All right, we're good. Thanks, guys. Let's give it up for the team. <clears throat> I I had it on my tie last service, but <clears throat> my my tie kept getting crooked, and, and it kept bothering some lady in the first row. <laughs> I ain't saying who, but it wasn't Jan. <laughs> All right. So here we are again. So here's, here's what I believe the Lord wants us to take with us today when we leave this building. I believe that God wants you to know that he is the same God, same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever, and that he will empower you by his Holy Spirit to be witnesses in your Jerusalem, your Judea, and your uttermost parts of the world, he is going to use you to tell somebody, to tell somebody, to tell somebody. And that was how you got here today is because somebody told you about the gospel message and that's why you're here today. So when you leave here, I want you to say, I am empowered. All right, so let's, let's practice ahead of time. I am empowered. Okay. So God has commissioned and empowered you to share the gospel with others. So why should I tell people about Jesus? You ever wonder about that? I don't like to, I'm not a preacher. I never went to seminary. Neither did I. You know, I never been to Bible school. What I went to was the school of hard knocks. I went, when, when they made me a pastor, God had called me to, to pastoral ministry. And I said, well, uh, I went to the school of desperation is what I did. I went down to the church basement and stuck my head in about 36 textbooks and read the Bible four times that year. And I thought, whoa, help me, Jesus. Should have gone back to being a cop. So, so why should we tell people about Jesus? The short answer is, is uh, uh, what any parent would say to their kid, because I said to. Yeah, so... The Great Commission, as Jesus said in, in, uh, in Matthew 28 and, and 19, go into all the world and make disciples of all men. Okay, the longer reason is, is that you and I are accountable for what we do. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 3 and verse 18, we read, If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and give him no warning, nor speak the, uh, to warn the wicked from his wicked way, in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hands. I read a, uh, I heard a, a guy preach when I was a new Christian, and, and he, uh, he was an evangelist named Dick Seaton, and he, and he uh, gave this uh, poem in his preaching, and I'm going to share it with you today. It's called Bloody Hands. He said, there's blood on my hands, the scripture has said. I see my hands dripping all bloody and red. The blood of the lost I have carelessly shed. It's the blood of my loved ones and friends who are dead. 
Dead without Jesus in hell they cry out. Why didn't you tell me there was a way out? Too busy I'll cry and make alibi as I tell my friends and loved ones goodbye. Goodbye, friends, forever. My loved one's gone too. I'm guilty. I'm guilty, oh God. What can I do? I've washed my hands daily. I faithfully try, but the blood of the lost is too red to hide. Oh God, please forgive me and take this last vow as I tell them of Jesus until I shall bow at thy feet with regret at the long-wasted years when I could have been telling with compassion and tears. God wants us to present the gospel message to those about us. I've had occasion when uh, once when I, I was a deputy sheriff from 73 through 78 up in Toole County and I, I uh, remember being called out to investigate a, a death and, in the little town of Sweetgrass and I went up and, and it was uh, a, death, a fire uh, in a house and I went in and, and I saw the deceased man his name was, was uh, Billy and, and as I looked at his lifeless corpse I thought of, of uh, the many conversations w that I'd had with him at the Glockamora Cafe uh, and, and bar there in, in uh, Sweetgrass when I'd take coffee break or, or dinner break on my night shift and how, how I'd urged him to know Jesus as his Savior. Billy's blood wasn't on my hands right then and I had peace in my heart. I stood in the rain in 1979 watching a, a burial of a, a border patrolman it was a military service, and as the taps played, my mind went to a very slow night in the sheriff's office when I was, uh, had opportunity the last hour of, of this man's shift to share with him about my experience with Jesus. I had tried before many times, and, and he always ran for the exit. But for some reason, that night he sat there, and, and I told him how I had come to know Jesus. This guy was about my dad's age. And he listened and he listened and, and then he exited because his shift was over and he wanted to get out of there. But I thought as, as the rain was falling and I'm listening to the taps play at that cemetery and they're lay, uh, lowering his body into the grave, his blood is not on my hands. The Apostle Paul stated in Acts chapter 20, verse 26, Therefore I declare to you I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. I wish that I could say, as the Apostle Paul did, that I am uh, innocent of the blood of all men, but I know that I have missed it again and again and again. So this isn't about just guilting you into feeling bad, so you've got to tell the, the gospel. The good news, here's the good news, is that we are compelled to share good news. Isn't that great? Now, there is an accounting for what we do with what God has given us. To whom much is given, much is required. So God has put a deposit in your life, in my life. Uh, we need to do something with that deposit. But I'll tell you, it can be a joy. We can share with others. Why? Because when I, was, when I first heard the gospel, I was so blown away that my sins could be forgiven. I don't know if you've ever felt guilty, but I was a little jerk. I was, a, I was a nice little jerk <laughs> for what it's worth I practiced being nice I'd bite my lip and look in the mirror and try to try to prepare for the, the gate you know the, Peter was going to be at the gate right yeah, yeah. I mean that was what we thought I was Catholic and so he's going to be there at the gate and I'm going to say you know 
I didn't mean to, you know. Well, so when I found out that my sins could be forgiven, and, and he, uh, the, the Apostle John wrote in 5.13 of 1 John, these things are written that you might know that you have eternal life. God doesn't want you to live your life on a hope so and maybe that maybe someday when I get there, maybe they'll let me in and all of this stuff. God wants you to know and have an assurance in your heart that you have, as you sit here, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, you have been born again, you have, as you sit here today, you have eternal life. It's not something that you're already living eternal life. You know, that, that someday when, when your heart stops and your brain goes dead or something, at that moment, what happens is you're hella here and Luya there because uh, what happens is that uh, he that lives and believes in Jesus will never die. Right. They're just a whoosh. Amen. So, um, everyday saints, tell your story to those in your circle. The second question, not why should I tell them, but how should I tell them? And the short answer again is, any way you can. Yeah, yeah. The longer answer comes from God's uh, conversation with Moses. And Moses was making all these excuses. Anybody here ever make an excuse? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said an excuse is just a reason wrapped in a lie. But uh, so you make an excuse. So Moses was making excuses. I can't do this. I, I can't speak very well, blah, 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 blah. All this stuff. So... God says, what do you got in your hand? And it was a stick. Basically, it, they call it a staff, stick. It's like a walking stick. And so here's Moses. He has this. What that tells us is that God will give us everything we need to do what he wants us to do. So he commissioned us with the Great Commission to go into all the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit, yes, yes. to tell the truth. And there is our story and our story is our walking stick when I went to uh, after, after I got uh, delivered and baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Ghost I went back to college in Missoula and I was so excited it was a lot of crazy things going on there I joined uh, all kinds I, I went to a little covenant church there that was full of the Holy Ghost and, and people were moving in the gifts of the Spirit it was a powerful thing it was a wonderful place to be and um, anyway, I joined all these campus ministries, Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, campus Crusade for Christ was really about evangelism. It was, it was uh, going out and sharing the four spiritual laws with, with other people. And so I, you know, I thought, well, man, I'm going to try this because I was just so excited. I just wanted to tell people, you know, whoa, I am free. You know, yeah. so it's really good. You know, all these things are wonderful. I am, I am, my sins are forgiven. How awesome is that? I don't even have to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm not going to make it happen for me. God made it happen for me. Hallelujah. It's the blood of Christ plus nothing. Yeah, right. So I was so excited about this. So I get my little four spiritual laws. I'm up in the university center, uh, coffee, uh, lunch place at the campus. And there was all these students all around. It was really cool. I said, to a couple, I found a couple of crusaders. I said, hey, you guys pray. I'm going to try this thing out. <laughs> so I took the four spiritual laws and I went over to this guy's reading the newspaper and and I, I say, hey, excuse me. I said, I'm wondering if I could share this little booklet with you. <laughs> he says, is it religious? <laughs> well, I said, it's called the four spiritual laws. <laughs> he says, no offense, but no thanks. You know? 
I went back to those crusaders. I said, boy, you guys better pick up the game. I said, you're going to have to pray a little harder because this, <laughs> this thing isn't working for me. So <clears throat> I went around. I found another guy. I said, hey, can I, sp I share this little booklet with you? It's called The Four Spiritual Laws. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You know, so I'm, I'm reading, the, you know, who's on the throne of your life and, and why is people not living the abundant life, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm reading this to him. And he was arguing with me every point I was making. And I was, I, finally, I just, I was ticked. You know, I said, you, you think this is, you think I enjoy this any more than you do? <laughs> I said, I wrote my number on the back. I said, here's my phone number. I said, read it. You know, you got any, got any questions, call me, you know. So it was, that, was my, that was my journey into witnessing. And, and the thing is that the devil will come and tell you to be afraid. You know, they're going to kill you. You know, uh, I have witnessed for 52 years, and, and they haven't killed me yet. <laughs> so far, so good. Amen? Yeah. And so um, we had a lot of fun with that. I, after I got out of college, I went to work as a deputy sheriff, and this was really fun. Uh, I couldn't believe that they actually paid us to do this. This was cool, you know, bad gun, all that stuff. And so, <laughs> I, so I go down to the law enforcement academy, you know, I was in Bozeman at the time, and, and it was four weeks, you spent two on the range, and then, you know, two weeks out of four learning how to shoot, and then they said, don't shoot people. And so then, so then but I, I listened to these cops, you know, was, I was kind of nervous because I was around all these cops. I mean, I'd been hiding from them for, you know. <laughs> I'd only been arrested twice before that. It was just minor stuff. But I'd always, you know, watching out for the cops. And <clears throat> so now here I are one. And, and I was with all these other cops. And they're sitting around and saying, well, yeah, well, you know, if that guy did that, he said, I'd blow him away. You know, and they, they're all bragging what they do. And they said, Kelly, what would you do? I said, I haven't a clue, you know. I said, but I'd pray. And I, I believe God would give me the grace to do whatever I needed to do. Well, so what happens is one, one of the cops that was at the academy was also a city cop back in Shelby, and he went back and said, man, watch out for Kelly, you know, because if you ever get in a firefight, you know, you can't depend on him. It's like it was the OK Corral in Shelby or something, you know. So, <laughs> well, as it turned out in September of that year, it seemed like September and November because I was involved in two shootouts, and it was almost like the OK Corral. Uh, and, and so I have a picture uh, of, of uh, this one guy uh, who, yeah, there he is, nice guy named David Myers <laughs> and his girlfriend. We caught her the first night. The second, uh, uh, that first night, he ran by me. And I, and I jumps out of my, my own car, a little uh, 68 Ford Torino, really cool. Uh, and, and I, and uh, he didn't fall over. And then all the rest of the cops from that part of the world were, they're yelling stop and I thought oh man I knew I was forgetting something <laughs> you know but uh, he got a little notch on the top of his left ear I did uh, after another couple of shootouts with him and two days later about three stolen cars later uh, I had occasion he was in the in the uh, hospital room and I had morning I had the first watch on him there he's handcuffed to both sides he was an escape artist kind of guy and uh he said, I was going to kill that, and he had a bad word, and that guy that was going to, uh, uh, shot me that first night, and I said, oh, where did he hit you? You know, because I, I wasn't going to, I ain't saying, my lips are sealed, I'm not saying a thing. Uh, 
so he said, well, he shot me in the ear, you know, so I had to get up and walk around the bed to see the, the little notch. It was really cool. Uh, what happened is that God used that to give me street cred with the other cops, and we had opportunity, uh, both Beverly and I did, with the law enforcement community in that whole county and surrounding county to, counties to share Christ. Why? Because God works in mysterious ways. A little a 357 magnet magnum round through the top of somebody's ear actually gave me credibility how crazy is that but uh, but that's what God does and it's a powerful thing that God can do and then we had, a, we had another uh, shootout in, in, in September or November of that same year I didn't know if we put that uh, did we have that other one up there yeah there it is shootout sends escapee to hospital yeah he lost too but he was okay I uh, gave him a bible when he left I shared Christ with him while he was in uh, visiting with us uh, in that time, so uh, that was a, that was a powerful thing. God God used opportunity after opportunity for me to love people in the name of Jesus, treat them with respect. I always treated uh, everyone with respect. Nobody was a loser to me because I was a loser before Jesus got a hold of me. So there there's uh, none of that. Uh, I went to work for child protection uh, in Missoula. Um, and I worked for child protection there for the last 12 years I was pastoring in Missoula. And, and in child protection, I, I worked with families to, that were going through a tough time and struggling. And maybe it was drugs, maybe it was other stuff. But usually they were struggling. And I was, my job was to try to help them to be successful. And I worked and I poured my life into trying to help them be successful, to be, uh, to be able to have their children back. And that was, that was our goal. That was our aim. That was what I worked for. Uh, and... Um, one, one uh, particular couple I worked with, they gave me a, a Christmas card uh, at Christmas time, just so thankful for my kindness and, and care for them. And I gave them a Christmas card and a, a little uh, uh, VHS tape that said, uh, uh, are you ready to die? And <laughs> anyway, it went to court in, in February of that year. I got kicked off the case because there was a threatened lawsuit and, and a few things like that. That doesn't always happen. And uh, uh, so anyway, I, I'm on the witness stand for six hours. We present our case. The next day, they're presenting their case. And uh, they ask the judge, you know, they presented this videotape that I gave them, Are You Ready to Die, uh, as, as uh, Exhibit A. And so uh, it's an exhibit, eh? You know, so... Anyway, so Exhibit A, and, and I told my boss, I they play that videotape in court. I, I said, I'm going to do an altar call, you know. So <laughs> anyway, so what happened is the, they, the lady, the attorney for the, the parents says, Your Honor, uh, would you like to uh, take this under advisement or would you like to watch it? And I'm, I'm so full of faith that I'm saying, Oh, Lord, help him to take it under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he turns to me he says Mr. Kelly he says uh, how long is it I said it's 12 minutes he said well <clears throat> yeah we'll watch it <laughs> so they, it's all set up the screen everything they plug it in they play this thing for 12 minutes it gives a, an amazing salvation message that was delivered by this evangelist in a, from a cemetery over in, in uh, Spokane it was great and, uh, and so then they begin to ask me all these questions about about uh, this tape and for the next uh, half hour I get to really unpack the gospel for the people in the courtroom and nobody left that day
uh, without knowing how to be born again and uh, uh, saved. So lots of fun. Uh, it can be fun to share Christ. I, I had a picture that I put up in my office for the state, you know, and there's all this separation of church and state stuff. Uh, it, it isn't in the Constitution, it just, just so you all know it. But, but there's a picture I had, and, and I, I remember one of, one of my coworkers said to me, and, and, and the pictures, my, it teed right up my office, the hallway did, and it went both ways. And so when you came down the hallway, and you were looking at my, in my door, there was this picture, and the light was shining on it. And, and so one of my coworkers who was, had an office right now, she says, gee, Stun. She says, every time I go by your office, it feels like I'm going to church. And I said, well, come in here. And so I told her the story. Come on. He that's without sin casts the first stone. Yes. I said, can you think of a better picture for being in, in this business that we're in? That we, this is a judgment-free zone. We're not going to condemn you or judge you. You're going through struggles. We want to help you. We want to love you. And, and so anyway, somebody complained about my picture. And my boss said, you know, you got to take that picture down. I said, it's been up there for six, six years. I'd had it up hanging in my office for six years. Now all of a sudden it's a problem. And so she says, you got to take it down. Somebody complained. I said, okay, I'm on my motorcycle today. I'll, I'll take it home tomorrow. Well, I thought about it, and it really kind of ticked me off. And, and so I went back to the office, and I measured Jesus' head on there. And uh, I went home and did some creativity, and I came up with this. <laughs> So, so, my, so my boss, who is this incredible, lovely lady, and I, and I love her to this day, and, and she laughed, and she says, I knew you'd think of something. And I said, well, yeah. And so then her boss, who didn't really like me, uh, uh, started pushing it a little harder. And, and so I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll switch it out. So I... I <laughs> I went down by the courthouse in Missoula, and, and I, I asked that kind person if I could have a picture with them. And so he had that. So that was up there for a while, and, and then, you know, it was the pressure was on, and so I, I, I did another one here. Uh, so all, my, all my good uh, colleagues, uh, uh, kind-hearted Democrats, uh, that was that was the hardest one for them to put, and I and I kept and I kept putting it crooked, you know, uh, because people want to fix it. But uh, finally, finally, the, it ended up with a, a meeting with the uh, head of human resources for the state and and the human rights division and the union guy. I was a union guy locally, but he was a union guy statewide, and uh, and my boss. And I said, well, I can't figure out what the problem is. Jesus hasn't been looking around in my office for six, mo or six months now. I said, the only thing I can figure out is you don't like the frame. And, and so, and she said, well, you know, you could, you could share your faith without, without uh, a picture in your office. And I said, well, yeah, I could. But I said, the problem is I'm, I'm really a nice guy. And I said, uh, I don't want people to think I got nice all by myself. 
You know, and the Bible says in, in Matthew 5 and 16, let your light shine in such a way that people see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And that was what I uh, wanted to have happen. And so I said, well, if it makes you feel better, I took it home yesterday. Uh, so that was, that was, the, uh, that was the end of, end of that one. Um, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be on your job. Uh, how many of you like to go on vacation? Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, so, uh, matter of fact, uh, a friend of mine is here today, Jerry, uh, uh, from over in the Chinook area, and, and he and I did 13 years of riding motorcycles every summer for, for about 2,000 miles every summer. Uh, we called it the Wild Hogs. Uh, we were inspired... <laughs> Inspired by the movie, old guys. But uh, uh, one day, Jerry always rode point, and I, I rode sweep. And, and so we were up by Edmonton, and we came across this place. I don't know why Jerry, you know, but he, he figured there was free coffee there. <laughs> and, and so he took us there. We had to use the restroom anyway. And, and so we got inside, and here was, here was this. Uh, there was a bunch of ladies. They invited us in for coffee, by the way. Uh, and there's Bev's uh, brother Ron and I and, and some ladies. There was, the place was kind of packed. And then, and then I had opportunity uh, to, there was a lady right there, and Jerry actually took this picture, but uh, there was a lady there that was really struggling in her faith, and, and it was a, it was a, a divine appointment, and, and we got to minister to her and pray with her, and she wept, and, and God just touched her life. Well, why? Because we are on mission. Y'all and me, we're all on mission all the time. That's the way it works. And so um, it can be while you're, while you're uh, out playing. Uh, in our, just a last, uh, last little set of pictures, right now we uh, run a private counseling practice in town here, and, and we set it up, and I was, I was, Pastor Lance and I were talking one day, and, and he was, he'd come down to shoot the breeze with me, and we had this picture and and he said this was this was the passion that we had in opening the, the private practice to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free and Lance said that was his passion for this house yes. his that we as Hope Church can have that same passion to heal the brokenhearted and set the captive free so so three things that I own oh, then and then lastly it was Jesus never fails. love love never fails uh, so three things before we send you out of here today that I want to share with you, and I'll do it quickly. Jesus went about. You and I will never be fulfilling our mission until we go about. So, you know, if you think you're a hermit or, or God called you to uh, isolation, well, you better be a monk. You know, if, if you're not into monkery, well, then, then uh, you're on mission, Okay. And so mission means that you have something that God has called you to do. And he wants you to fulfill it. And he is for you fulfilling it. He is empowering you to fulfill it. And he will equip you and he'll set up divine appointments. So you go about. You see people with the eyes of Jesus. You feel compassion for them with the compassion that God puts in your heart. And you're moved to tell them the truth. And, and then the next thing was doing good. Doing good is just being nice, making sure that your, your life matches your talk. You know, you can tell people all you want. I, I remember holding down a, 
a table in a bar in Walla Walla, Washington. And uh, I'm, I'm hammered. This was before I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And, and I'm, I'm hammered, and I'm, I'm, but I wanted to witness. And so I'm holding this table down, and I'm looking at this guy across from me, and I said, Jesus changed my life. <laughs> yeah, true story. <laughs> and I was, I, you know how they do the bubbles? I saw bubbles over his head. And you know what it said in the top bubble? The top bubble is the one that's always revelatory. The top bubble, he said, I hope he doesn't change mine. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord said, shut up. You know, and, and the reason he did was because I needed to let him work in me to get my, not perfection, but just to get, get a little bit of stuff going. And, and then the enabling, and, and uh, I'm, I'm so thankful to the Lord. I'm so thankful for his mercy and grace that he, we don't have to do it perfectly. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing what? No, poorly. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly until... We can do it well. Yes. Keep trying. Don't give up. God didn't give up on us. We don't give up on them. And the last thing is healing the oppressed. I'm going to tell you the only answer for mankind, the only answer for our problems. I'm aware of this as a therapist. We do the whole diagnostic thing and all that, but the prescription is different. I'm going to tell you there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus Christ, all power in heaven and earth. You can be transformed. You can be a brand new pe person in Christ Jesus. Old things will, will drop off. You can add to your life those things that God wants in your life. You can add that into your life so that you can go out, go about, and do good. You can just be a nice, kind, gracious, loving person and then heal them with the message of truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life I'm going to ask you to make a decision this morning you know my walking stick is my story when God talked to Moses what he got in your hand it's a walking stick your walking stick is your story you say well I wasn't a I wasn't a creep like that guy. <laughs> I wasn't bad. I never did this. I'll tell you, the best testimony, this is the absolute best testimony, is I grew up in a Christian home. And I grew up in the faith. And I believed in Jesus from the time I was a young person. And I've not strayed to the left or the right. Best story is I've followed after Jesus. You have a stick in your hand because it's the truth. Now, some of us that were a little hard at hearing, we have a different story. But your story will touch people's lives that my story won't touch. My story might touch somebody that your story doesn't touch. But the truth is that you and I have walking sticks. Walking stick is our story, and we share it when we have an opportunity. And God will provide opportunity. I'm going to tell you, every day.
for us to share. So here's, here's the decision. I, you know, I'm not into every eye closed and every head bowed. I, I got it backwards the first time I said it anyway. I, I said every, I said every, every head closed. <laughs> Wait a minute. So I'm not into that. I'm into boldly declaring I'm in. I mean, I, I just want to be everything that God wants me to be today. I, I just want to be, I, I want to be that truth teller because the, the truth is that somebody told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who told you, and here you are today. Here you are today. The guy that told me was at a graduation party for my granddaughter yesterday, and I said to my grandkids, they were sitting there, and here was Mr. Malberg there, and, and uh, I said, kids, if it weren't for this man. You wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for this man that told me the truth one day. When I was desperate and burned out on drugs. When my life was a mess. If it wasn't for this man. I'd have, I'd have been dead or in prison or something. I'd have never met this lovely lady. That means you guys wouldn't have existed. They fully got all of that. But I'm going to tell you, if you're in today, I want you to stand up. If you say, God, I want to be a truth teller. I want to use my walking stick to change eternity for generations to come. I want to use my walking stick. If that's you, stand up right now. If that's you, you want to make a difference for eternity, stand up right now. We're going to... Pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer after me. A short prayer. And then we're going to go out and change the world. Pray after me. Lord, help me to put you first in my life. Lord, fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you'll set up divine appointments for every one of us, that we can go with our own walking stick. We can tell other people the truth today and tomorrow and the next day. And God, even when we do it poorly, even when we mess up or make mistakes, God, we don't wait till we're perfect to tell. We just tell and tell and tell. And you change lives for eternity. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.